uh, always a pleasure uh, to be here. Every time I come through these doors, I just feel so warm, uh, and everybody is always so warm and welcoming here, and uh, it's just it's a pleasure uh, to be here with you all. And uh, I'm excited to dig into God's, God's Word tonight. Um, the message I have uh, for you today is called The Most Dangerous Prayer I've Ever Prayed. The Most Dangerous Prayer I've Ever Prayed. Um, when I grew up, I grew up uh, in church, and uh, I loved church. And as a kid, I uh, spent my years from the day I was born, I think the next night I was in a prayer meeting probably, and I was going through church. And um, when I came into my teens, when I uh, was about 16, I, um, you know, I started fading away a little bit. I started not walking with the Lord, and... Um, some people would say, you know, he needed to find himself. But I think what I believe is what really was going is that I needed to find Jesus Christ on my own, on, in my own way. I needed to find him in a real way um, for myself. And when I had finally come to the end of myself, I walked into a small spirit-filled church in Caledonia. And I sat down and there was a song playing from the inside out which uh, we had the, the privilege of worshiping to tonight. And as I sat and having not been in church for a long time or, um, you know, just apart from the Lord, I felt him uh, moving in my heart, you know, and the tears started to come. And at that moment, as we were talking about the lyrics, you know, in my heart and my soul, Lord, I give you control. I remember with everything I had, I prayed, Lord, have your way in my life. Lord, have your way in my life. And after I prayed that, um, I started to turn my life towards the Lord as he uh, graciously um, continued to work in my life. And a little time further passed, and um, I met a beautiful girl in that church, and together we, we prayed this prayer, Lord, have your way in our life. And um, a little bit further on, we, um, we got married. Um, and uh, obviously, this is my wife, Valerie. And we prayed just so much as a young couple, Lord, have your way in us. And it really just um, became our attitude and our, our cry to God. And um, it's funny how things work out because I think at some point um, in those moments of praying that God, he took our word for it. And really nothing could have prepared us for what the next five years of our life was going to be like. Um, shortly after our honeymoon, we, um, we uh, learned that Valerie was pregnant. And uh, we were thrilled, we were excited and the first person I told was uh, my brother Cole, who was down visiting uh, from the Dominican Republic where he was uh, living um, at the time. And uh, I told him it was a really special night. And um, about two weeks later, I got a phone call, and, and we had learned that he was killed uh, in a plane cr uh, crash in the Dominican. And, um, and as you could imagine, that was earth-shattering uh, news. It was just devastating. He was uh, my older brother. We were really close. And um, 
we were just left to to just pick up the pieces. You know, it was just grief. You know, and um, my goodness, by God's grace, um, when I just you know when my, when I was young, my brother told me the righteous. Uh, from Proverbs, the righteous falls down six times but gets up seven. And I just kept thinking of that over and, and over. And um, it took a while, but I got up and uh, I was ready to continue to move forward. And all I really could continue to pray was, Lord, have your way in my life. And, and through that, continuing to be the cry of uh, my heart and my wife's heart, we continued to pursue the Lord and we continue to see him work in, in our lives. And so about six months later, a uh, little boy was born, Asher Benjamin Cole. And um, we were so grateful. And um, about a year later, wouldn't you know it, my wife, uh, we learned she's pregnant again. And uh, we, um, we uh, everything seemed to be going great for us. And, and everything really was. And my wife and I, we were on our way home from our anatomy ultrasound with our new baby and uh, we got a phone call and the phone call said uh, it began like this um, are you sitting down right and um, we got uh, some very difficult news again um, from uh, the doctors and we learned that our little our little girl we also found out um, was going to be born with a condition called gastroschisis where her insides were actually, a lot of her insides were on the outside of her little body in utero from a, a small hole in her stomach. And again, it was a heavy hit. And, um, you know, we, we, we continued through that, um, the unknowing and everything that we were up against, we continued to, to pray, Lord, have your way in us. And uh, she went on to spend 80 days from the day she was born, 80 days at McMaster in the intensive care unit at the NICU. And it was, um, it was an incredible 80 days of ups and downs and uh, surgeries and conversation of failure to thrive. And it was um, an incredible time of testing and um, really just like a kind of a wilderness season for us. We had a one-year-old at home, and um, it was a lot of back and forth. And, you know, we continued to pray. We said, Lord, just have your way in us. And, and, and through that, again, we, we continued to see him move. And we brought her home, believe it or not, on Family Day 2019, 80 days later after she was born, and she is a spark plug, and she continues to uh, just be incredible. Um, and you know what? Just as we, as we uh, carried on a year later, uh, boom, we find out we're pregnant again. And um, it's crazy, this life thing. And, um, you know, unexpectedly, you know, we just thought, man, our, the worst has got to be over, you know. And um, we, uh, again, get a phone call after our anatomy uh, ultrasound, saying, um, are you sitting down? And we were driving, and I said, well, yeah, we're, we are, you know. And so, um, again, we had learned that our new baby was also going to have um, complications that were really unknown uh, at the time. Um, uh, to, to make a long story short, our baby boy, Zion, um, he was essentially born uh, blind. He had... Uh, 
His eyes were not fully formed, and um, he went on to have uh, a dozen, 12 surgeries from the day he was born till he was a, a year old. And at the very same time, my dad, who I've uh, spoke about here before, who was struggling with cancer, the cr- uh, cancer was progressing, and um, he passed away two weeks after we brought Zion home. And I wasn't sure if they were going to meet, but they ended up meeting, and um, it, was, it was actually beautiful. But um, this whole time, uh, the cry of our heart was, Lord, have your way in us, in us. And I say it's the most dangerous prayer I ever prayed, but does that mean that if you or anyone prays that prayer, that a bunch of bad things are going to happen? No. I believe when you pray this, no matter what happens, good or bad, you will cultivate a life of surrender and worship to Jesus Christ. You know, I think the most important prayer we can pray is this, and and a lot of us have, have prayed this prayer. Lord, I need you. I'm lost. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I believe that you, Jesus, died on the cross to forgive my sins, that I might have a relationship with you. And I believe, Lord, that you were risen from the dead. I ask you to come into my life and be the Lord of my life. Right? Many of us have prayed a prayer similar to that, right? And, and I think that what's so important is the next day when you wake up and you're feeling all new and shiny, and I know for many of us that was a long time ago, But I think it's so important to to pray, Lord, have your way in me. God, have your way in me. And and I believe that is such a beautiful part of our Christian journey. To the new believer or to the hesitant Christian, and especially to the world, it seems dangerous. It may seem risky. It may seem costly. You know, I'm not ready to give up things. I'm not ready to give in. But I'd like to suggest to you that these words of Christ are actually the key in finding true peace, true joy, and true life. So please join with me in your Bibles. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Matthew 16, 24. So we have here Jesus saying, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what benefit, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul. You know, as human beings, we want to do things our own way. I have a two-year-old who's a perfect example of this. And we cling to things that give us comfort. We cling to things that give us peace and security. And as human beings, we end up, we end up making our lives to become a pursuit of these things. And, and we see that so clearly in the world, that we have a whole world in pursuit of things that they think are going to bring them peace and security and comfort and joy, right? I think we'd all agree on that. And these things 
so often take the place of the Lord on the altar of our heart, right? And I've found that in my life that so often to take hold of him, I have to let go of a lot of the things I've been holding on so tightly and keeping in that place that's really only reserved for Jesus. You know, um, other things um, that have been taking all our time and all our affection, right? And the kicker is, I think if we really think about it, we'll find that ultimately they've been letting us down. And they do let us down. Meaning they don't really bring us that much peace. They don't really bring us that much joy and peace and security. In the world we live in, we have bank machines go down for a day and, and we're all out of money, you know. We've bought vehicles and after we've bought it, we thought it was going to be so great and then a day later, we still feel the same. You know, we've gone on that trip, that vacation that we've been so pumped for. When we get there, it's not that great. And then when we get home, we're, we're the same as when we left, right? We pursue these things that are really just empty. And even, even money itself, right? We, we work and we work and we get it. And then, and then really it's just, it goes anyways, right? Easy come, easy go. And, and, and we just are left feeling, you know, this, this the same, right? And so look at this, what Jesus says. You know, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. You know, when we put God in his rightful place in our lives, there's a huge transition. Like we're talking the difference between losing and finding life. It's life or death. And I think on our part, this transition, it can seem hard to us, right? It seems hard to us. It seems like you know, I don't want to lay my life down. You know, I think there's a bit of a, a connotation around it, right? Because it seems to be like a dangerous move or a costly move but at the beginning. But we find that when we make that move, that we lay our life down to Jesus, it's the best move that we could have ever made. It's the best thing we've ever could have done with our, with our life. So, and, and that way, when we stand in it, we say, you know, that whatever may come, I'm sold out. I'm secure in his palm, and that whatever may come, and even as Job says, though he yet slay me, I will still trust him, right? So the Lord here is so clear, and I love this. This has stuck with me my whole life. It says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? You know, in, 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 the, in the new King James, or excuse me, in the, uh, in the old King James version, it says, what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or is cast away? You know, when we talk about Jesus and his word and eternity and everything, it really puts things in perspective, doesn't it, right? Because we realize that we're no longer just living for this world, Right? We're living for a kingdom that's to come, right? Like, remember Abraham in the Old Testament? He actually never settled anywhere. He just lived in tents because he was so focused on a kingdom to come, right? And that's the same for us. The same for us. There's a kingdom coming that we're part of. This is not our home here. And and we are to be focused on eternity and what's to come. And it really puts everything 
um, into perspective. And, and really, we find that if we focus on these things, that we can, we can lose ourselves in them, you know? When I was um, in 2015, I was hired by the RCMP, and I had just met my wife, Valerie, and uh, we were leading a youth group in Caledonia, and I actually flew out to Regina um, to train with the RCMP, and this verse was like, just, I couldn't shake it, this, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, and, and I was just, I could already feel myself being out there, just kind of fading away already, I was just like, I was like, this isn't where I'm supposed to be, you know, and, and, it, and really in my heart of hearts, it wasn't what I valued, and uh, man, a week later, I flew home, and uh, shortly after, married my wife, and the rest is history, as they say, but um, my brother Cole, he had a picture of uh, Nelson Mandela in his room, and Nelson Mandela was a man, he spent 27 years uh, in prison in South Africa, and um, just over political stuff, and he came back uh, out of prison, and he became the first black president in uh, South Africa. And anyways, he had a quote, and it said, um, life begins outside your comfort zone. I used to always look at that and think about that, and I always thought that, man, that's actually more profound than he, he actually intended. Because if you think about it on a spiritual level, that true life really does begin outside of our comfort zones as Christians even, you know, I remember when I came home from that hospital with my little girl and in that incubator and all the different things, guys, we went through, it was so exhausting. It was mentally, emotionally, just spiritually taxing. We were exhausted, taking shifts, going back and forth. And I would come home at night and I'd put my little guy to bed, and then I had, I'd have the nighttime to recuperate. And, and really, I, at this point, I just felt stripped away of everything. I couldn't go back to anything that had ever given me what I thought joy and peace and comfort was. You know, even, even so much as to want to sit down and just watch a movie and relax, I couldn't because I needed something. I needed something real, and I needed something that was going to really touch my heart. And I knew that anything that the world offered me wasn't going to do it. And by the grace of God, I was just driven to him. I was driven to him to the point where he was all that I had, but I realized he was all that I needed, right? And, and I, really, I really pray that we all get to that point, you know? You know um, and that's the thing where it seems dangerous, right? Like, Lord, have your way. Come what may, Lord, I'll take it, just so that I can know you and you um, as well have your way in my life, right? Um, he was there every time. And uh, it was like, you know, Mark's been talking a lot about treasure hunting. And, and I, was, I was treasure hunting like my life depended on it <laughs> because it did some days. It did. But I'll tell you, every time he, he, we find him, we find him. The Lord says, when you seek me with your whole heart, there you will find me. And a dear friend shared this verse uh, with me uh, in Isaiah 45, 3. And um, I don't know if we got it up here. Yeah, here it is. So beautiful. And I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. I will do this so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. And um, it's so uh, interesting, uh, this verse. Uh, I, you know, 
there's just it just felt like we were in darkness for one thing going through that stuff and and we were finding treasures uh, hidden in the darkness and and it's so cool because it said I'll do this so that you may know that I am the Lord and you know something that we did learn through all that we learned that he was the Lord that he was who he said he was he was so real to us he became so real and um, it's so cool how it says the one who calls you by name. And my wife, so many times she would cry out to the Lord and she said, she said, I, Lord, just show me that I'm seen by you. Lord, just show me that you see me in this. And there are so many times where she just felt it and knew it that he did. You know, and God is just so faithful, so faithful. My relationship with the Lord became much more real when I started walking in obedience to him meaning I started to surrender all parts of my life and areas of my life to him, meaning I started to do less of what I desired to do and more of what he desired for me to do. And, and I really began to see um, him work in my life. It was like really the, 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 the wheels were hitting the road at that point. And um, here's the thing about all this. You know, it seems hard. And you know what? There is a part of it that does cost us. There is a cost to this, to lay um, someone's life down and say, Lord, not my will, but your will each day. It's going to affect how you spend your time, your money, what you think about, what you plan for. And, and really, Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's a life laid down. It's a soul surrendered. It's a will given up. But in that process is where he really takes hold of us. And, and we take hold of him. You know, when a policeman catches a robber, what's the robber do? Right? Right? And he says, you got me. Right? And effectively, what he's saying is, I'm done rebelling. Take me in and book me. Right? That's what he's saying. And the same is true with us. When we finally come to that place with the Lord, we surrender. We say, you got me. Take me and book me, Lord. But instead of taking us to jail, our Redeemer sets us free when we do that. He sets us free from ourself. He sets us free from the world. And we finally find the true comfort and security and peace and joy that we have been longing for our whole lives. It's all found in Him. And you know what's interesting, too? Why is the, sur uh, the symbol for surrender? Also, like how we worship. You ever notice that? I'll tell you why. It's because it's the surrendered life that can truly worship and say, God, I lay it all down at your feet, God. Have your way in me. What Come what may, God. I just, I, I'm here I am, God, and you're worthy, and I just thank you, God, right? Isn't that just the surrendered life? We can really worship. You know, I, uh, I remember... I grew up with Sam Bunting. A lot of you may know Sam, and uh, we are good friends. And I remember we uh, were at church one morning. I think we were like 10. And um, Sam, he, uh, during worship, he, uh, like, raised his hand during worship. And all of us kids were like, whoa, Sam's worshiping. And uh, we're like, whoa. And um, after church was over, we all ran up to him. and was like, Sam, Sam, you're worshiping. How was that? How was that? And he was like, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. And we're like, whoa, 
wow, awesome. You know, but it's so beautiful just to be able to worship the Lord. And, and, and that surrendered life is, um, is just makes way for that. You know, there's nothing anymore that's in between us, God. I can come to you honestly. I can worship you in spirit and in truth, God. It's a beautiful thing. And we're also called to trust and obey, right? There's an old song, trust and obey. There is no other way. Trust and obey uh, to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey, right? I'm, I'm going to save you guys me singing that. I'm just reading those lyrics. But, you know, I don't know. I think something, again, in human nature, there's something about the word obey kind of makes us cringe, right? Like, no, you know, it's that rebel in us that says, I want to do what I want to do whenever I want to do it, right? Um, and, and, you know, if we went to somebody on the street who didn't know the Lord and said, hey, you need to just only obey Jesus, right? They would think you're crazy. Come with me, uh, please, to Luke uh, chapter 6, verse 46. Luke chapter 6. Uh, verse 46. I'm going to be reading uh, just this portion from the New King James Version. And again, uh, here we have Jesus. But why do you call me Lord and do not the things which I say? Maybe we'll continue. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them... I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the floods arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. That is a great word, vehemently. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built himself uh, excuse me, who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat uh, vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So build your life on the rock. If we could go back to the beginning of that. I just love how it says here, you know, a person like building a house who digs deep and, and lays the foundation on the rock. You know, when the Bible, the Bible doesn't say anything, um, nothing the Bible says goes to waste, you know. And, and every little detail, it's so important to look at. And it says, you know, who digs deep, I'm sorry, who digs deep. You know, when we hear these words of Christ, we, we really need to dig deep. We need to take a look at... Um, you know, our hearts and see what's going on there because this foundation, it needs to be, it needs to be laid deep. You know, I, I think many of us have just seen those videos from that hurricane that hit Florida and, and Fort Myer. And we've seen some of these houses just floating away, whole houses. You know, they had pictures of people's homes where they used to be and now they were gone. And, and, and it's so important to have our, our foundations on the rock which is, of course, Jesus Christ, right? And what is so vital for us as Christians is to dig deep and, and to take his truths to heart and lay this foundation in our lives. Because I'll tell you what, there's a, there's a flood coming. 
there's many storms that we face in life, and there's much more to come. Where, where it doesn't say if a storm comes. Jesus says when the storm comes, right? And you have to ask yourselves, where is my foundation laid? And what do I put my hope? Is it in my finances? Is it in politics, in government? All that stuff is, is just sand, 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 right? And, and the flood is coming, right? The, the big flood. Even, you know, regardless of what we're seeing on, on TV these days, the Bible says, Jesus says in, in Matthew 24, even in the days of Noah, like in the days of Noah, people were eating and drinking and giving in marriage and were swept away, right? Jesus is coming back. There's many signs and, and incredible things going on now that we're seeing more and more evidence that he is coming soon, right? And, and especially now, it is so important for us to, be, to have strong foundations. You never know what is around the corner in life. You know, I, 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 I know many of you can attest to that here. You know, when I got that phone call that my brother had passed away, I was just at work. It was a Tuesday morning, and I remember we had just, we had just started um, working, and my phone rang, and um, after that phone call, my phone wouldn't stop ringing. And one random Tuesday morning changed your life forever, right? And that's how life goes. You know, all these things that, that happen, all these big things, you don't plan for them, right? They just, they just happen one day. And, and, and that's why it's so important for us to build and, and so when things do happen, we're strong. We have a foundation. And at the end of the, that verse there, it says, you know, when um, the house fell, that ruin was great, right? The, the ruin was great. And if we think about our lives, you know, the stakes are too high to mess around with any of this stuff. It's so important that we tremble at God's word and take it seriously because there are, are great wisdom and great warning in, in these things, right? And, and, you know, I think of that hurricane and, and that especially those homes in Fort Myer that those ruins were great as in saying there was no building that house again. That was it. That house was gone. And sure, they might rebuild again, but that ruin was great. It was devastating, right? And, and it's so important for us to take this seriously and, and really build and dig deep in, in God. And, um, you know, um, again, just never knowing what's, what's around the corner. Um, I just wanted to say, you know, if you hear this today, if you have any incline, anyone to draw closer to God, you want to get on your knees and do everything you can to draw close to him. There is a whole world outside of these doors, millions of people who will reject this and, and their ruin will be great, right? Young people, if you're here today and you're coming with your parents, you want to thank God for that. You want to see God more than anything in this world, Parents, if you're here today and there's young people in your life that you want to see here, keep praying. Keep praying. I came back to that little church, I think, a lot because of my mom who never stopped praying. So keep praying. Keep praying. And, um, you know, a godly love is one that's concerned about our souls, right? And sometimes it's challenging out there when whoever, whoever it is you're praying for is living a lifestyle that is, is hard to love, but we are just loving their soul so much you care about, right? That you just want to bring them back to the Lord because we know that's what matters most, right? That's what matters most. Um, 
we can't not afford to not have a rich relationship with Christ. It's, it's the most important thing in this life. Um, just in finishing, I want to look at Matthew eleven twenty eight. You know, I've been reading uh, through this book called uh, Pilgrim's Progress, and uh, it's an incredible book. It's an old book, and many of you probably know it. Um, Pilgrim, he was just a regular guy. His name's Christian, and uh, he was just living a regular life, and he read some words of the king, and it changed him forever. And what happened to Christian was he read these words and he got a burden on his back as soon as he read these words, and it was weighing him down. And Christian, he had a wife and kids, and um, he said to him, he said, guys, hold on here. I can't continue on the way I've been going. These words from the king that I've read has just wrecked me, and he spent his days and his nights crying. He was weighed down by this burden of sin and anguish for his town that he lived in was called the city of destruction because one day the king said that destruction was coming to his town and he needed more than anything to leave and get on this journey to Zion and especially to get this burden off of his back. His wife and kids, they said, no, no, dad, go back to bed. You're not feeling good. You're sick, okay? You, you just need to sleep this off. And he said the more he slept, the more he, he, as time went on, the worse it got until he had to leave. He said, no, I got to go. I have to pursue this. I can't remain the same. It's just burning in me. And this burden is weighing me down every day, every day. And Christian made his way on his pilgrim's progress. And he went through obstacles. And he met people along the way trying to get this burden on his back. And along the way, he met this fellow named Worldly. And Worldly said, no, no, no. You don't want to go this way. This is too hard. This is going to be too costly for you. Worldly said, go see my friend, uh, Mr. Legalist, and he's going to show you a set of rules you can follow that will still be nice and easy. You can do what you want. And that's the route for you to take. Don't take this straight and narrow path. That's going to be too hard. That's going to cost you too much. And Pilgrim, being kind of new out there, he said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And so he went off the track, and he got that way. And it led to the, the dead end. It led to the hardest place he had come so far, and he was lost. And if it wasn't for a fellow named Evangelist, he would have been wrecked there. And finally, Pilgrim got back on track. He got back on the straight and narrow path, and he found his way to the place of deliverance, which is the cross. It's only at the cross that we can take this burden of sin and guilt and pain off our backs. It's only through Jesus Christ and our faith and what he's done in the cross that we can get these burdens off our back and carry on and continue on our journeys, on our um, pilgrimage to Zion, right? And, and one beautiful thing about Christian is that his eyes were fixed on Zion. His eyes were fixed on eternity. And he had incredible 
challenges along the way, but he made it there, and it was beautiful. If you haven't read the book, phenomenal book. Jesus says in chapter 11 here, verse 28, he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. You know, I think the most important thing that I could say about this subject tonight is that when we recognize this, our lives, and maybe we're not where we should be with the Lord, maybe we haven't surrendered just yet to him, you know, there's something, there's, there's almost like a paradox there. Whereas we're trying to save our lives, we're trying to keep it here. But my friends, when we cross this line and we surrender and we say, Lord, have your way, and we surrender and say, I'm coming, I'm, I'm done, I surrender, this incredible thing happens to us where the burden that we've been carrying our whole lives, it comes off our back. Our burden is light. The Lord brings us in, and it's this incredible transition. And something that seemed really, really hard was actually not that hard and the best thing that we could have ever done, right? So, look, I um, am so grateful to be here. Um, In finishing tonight... If you're here and wherever walk that you're in tonight, if you're going through a storm, if you're going through a a flood, if you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, we have a couple elders here tonight. Myself, I would be so happy to pray with you. I'd be so happy to talk with you. Um, If you got to go, that's fine. I got to be here in the morning. I might as well sleep on the chairs anyways. But, you know, the stakes are so high in this life. And you never know what's going to happen tomorrow anymore. And it's so important that we get this right and straighten it out now. And it's the most important thing. And uh, I'm just so thrilled that we're all here together tonight, worshiping the Lord, talking about the Lord. And um, I ask that he continues to work in us and through us uh, in these days. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for being here tonight, Lord. It's your presence, Lord, that truly changes us and speaks to us and leads us, God. And I thank you, Lord, in that time of worship, God, that your presence was here touching hearts and and moving hearts, God. I thank you for each one here, God, that um, you have paid the ultimate price, Lord, for us, God. Not only that we... Um, would be saved, Lord, but that we would also have a relationship with you, God, a rich relationship, a life-changing relationship with you, Lord Jesus. God, would you um, be with us in our homes, Lord? Would you be with us in our workplaces, God? Would we continue to boldly seek after you, God? Would we continue to dig deep and develop Uh, a rich devotional life with you, God, that we would build our building on the rock, God, that no matter what comes, Lord, that we are established in you and firm, Lord God. Thank you for giving us, Lord, a hope 
and a plan, Lord. We, we love you, God. It's an honor to serve you. And uh, we dedicate this night and, and our lives to you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.